Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hills of Silent Podcast where we chop it up in slow motion about the games of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It is early today. For some reason, I got a lot of energy, so let's jump in before that fades. Mitch, 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 I heard you've been playing an awesome game that I also need to check out. What you've been playing, man? Yeah, awesome in my opinion, but looking at the Steam reviews, not so awesome to, according to other people, but uh, I'm going to stick with my opinion on this one, and that game is Back for Blood, which is a essentially, by its name, a clone of Left 4 Dead, which is one of the popular horde first-person shooters that came out and developed by Valve. This one, Back for Blood, was uh, developed in 2021, and it's uh, obviously, like I said, a first-person horde shooter, like I, I like to call it, and it's developed by uh, Turtle Rock Studios and published by Warner Brothers Games. So, for those who have never played Left 4 Dead, uh, I know we've talked about it here on the show a little bit when uh, Mike was playing some of the... Uh, the user-created content. It's uh, it's primarily a player versus environment game mode um, or a type of game where you, in this game, you are, your characters are called cleaners. They're post-apocalyptic survivors who are trying to basically make their way through and escape all of these zombies that are coming at them. And it gets pretty hectic, just like it does on Left 4 Dead. Um, the zombies in this game are called the Ridden, and I actually shout out to uh, my buddy John. I know uh, I shout him out a lot in this podcast, but he sent me a video about it because him and I are the ones that are mainly playing this right now. And I was very curious where the Ridden name came from, or I guess the lore behind Back for Blood, which they do provide. And I thought it was interesting. Like these people, or I guess the apocalypse started, and all these people turned into zombies by a bug called the Devil Worm. And this devil worm goes inside the human body and just takes them over and, you know, makes them this flesh-eating zombie that, you know, wants nothing else but then to turn other other people into the same thing. Gross. Which, I mean, it's a, it's a little different take on, you know, the, the whole zombie uh, transformation. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching the footage right now. There's a really cool-looking boss that they're fighting. Huh. Yeah, so all of them are called the Ridden, and there's a ton of variants that are in the game as well, and John and I were making jokes, like, I, I can't keep up with all the names of these people, so I just call them by their Left 4 Dead names. Because some of these look are very, very similar to, I guess, the zombie, the, the special zombies that are in Left 4 Dead. Like, the hunters are the ones that, you know, kind of jump out, they lurk in the shadows and jump out at you and, like, you know, and hold you down and rip you apart they've got the bloaters which is those the big massive ones that'll uh if you shoot it it's basically like a balloon you pop it it explodes but it gets all that bile on you and all the zombies are attracted toward the bile but they also have some new ones though like they have i want to say they have one called an ogre it's like one of these like really big mother you know he's a, he's a big boy and uh, it's more like a, an actual boss almost like where like you're not really supposed to it, it, it You have to kill it in waves like you'll take it down to a certain amount of health Then it will kind of burrow or like leave and then he'll come back again when you least expect him 
and you kind of have to shoot the the specific target points on his body to do extra damage. There's like little parts where you can see where he's kind of oozing out that you want to you want to target to kill him. Uh, funny with that one, the ogre or whatever it was called. Uh, John and I were just playing by ourselves, and if you get caught by him, he he grabs you and throws you. And I, this wasn't supposed to happen this way, but what the one grabbed John and threw him outside of the map completely. So he couldn't get back in to help me. So it was just me versus everything else while John's outside of the map trying to shoot them and help me. But he can't get back in to, uh, to help me with the objective. So I thought it was pretty funny. Not really supposed to happen, but uh, it was it was an interesting uh, experience for sure. So I saw in one scene you're fighting humans. Is that is that the case in some of the levels? Not that I have seen yet anyway. I've gotten through probably three acts, and I want to say there's five acts, and then they added some DLC acts as well. Um, it looked like it was for one of the DLC trailers. Dude, there's... There's some cool-looking bosses in here. The level design looks cool. So you said there's five levels in the base game. So about. it's five acts, and those acts are divided into uh, quite a few chapters, honestly. Okay. Um, we're, there's quite a bit of gameplay packed in the base game, but then even with the DLC, uh, John and I actually just bought it because it's on sale for $10, all three DLCs. Oh, nice. So we've, yeah, so I was like, Let's do it. We're we're deep into this game. We might as well keep it going with it. Um, yeah, they added a, a couple of those DLCs, added extra campaign levels as well. So quite a bit of content, and a lot of it is actually like very interactive. Because I feel like with Left 4 Dead, a lot of the time you were just kind of just shooting through hordes and then making it to the next point and getting in the safe room. There wasn't really a lot of like hunting for objectives or doing things like that. Uh, in this one, there. I, we just finished a level where, like, I was having to get all these, like, gas tanks and put them into this car or, like, all these briefcases with, like, valuable something or another and get them into this truck. Meanwhile, all these zombies are, like, hoarding toward us and trying to kill us while, you know, I'm I'm doing the objective and whatnot. So th there's some cool things as far as that's concerned. The one thing I do want to highlight, though, and like kind of like the, little, the big the big difference between this and Left 4 Dead, I know they really wanted to make it a Left 4 Dead-like, but you know me and cards. I love card games. They, ha they actually have implemented cards into this game, and they play a big role in how your cleaner or how your, your character, I guess, uh, his power level or like how, you know, how much he can mow through these zombies. So you can collect cards through either getting brief, there's briefcases or there's, uh, I think, duffel bags throughout levels. And if you get out of the level with a duffel, duffel bag, you unlock a card, which is pretty cool. These cards do everything from, like, give you, like, enhanced reload, reload speed, give you more health, uh, maybe give, like, some sort of team buff. Like, if one of your teammates goes down, you get a big buff. Um in that case so are, are the cards one-time use and then they're burned or do you have your collection of cards and you can reuse them as many times as you want every you time have you your play collection of cards and every time you you actually make it there's a there's almost like a barracks like before you jump into the game itself where you kind of like in there's like a firing range and there's like it looks like it's like a it's a setup of a barracks to like prep you before you go in and start the campaign 
And one of the like stands that you could go to, you can build a deck. So they give you a whole bunch of starter cards to make a starter deck. But as you collect more cards throughout your runs and playthroughs, you can you could create your own custom decks and maybe tailor it toward a specific cleaner's strengths. Because each cleaner has their own special abilities or I guess what they're better at than other cleaners. So for instance, the one that I have already came with enhanced reload speed, while John, on the other hand, his character already had the ability where if he got trapped by a zombie, he could automatically get out one time or two times or something like that. So it adds a little bit of a cool layer to it that's not just, hey, like pick a character that looks the coolest and then go in, you know, kind of thing. It actually like has a little bit of a, you know, a, there's there's consequences if you don't pick the right character. There's also, you know, you can tailor your deck of cards to the character that you have. So, so it sounds like you enjoy the game. So why do you think this game got all the negative backlash? Now, I get it. There's a lot of gamers that are just whiny and just love to hate even if it's an all you, you could give them the awesomest game in the world and they're still going to be like oh it's stupid i didn't like this i didn't like that so do you think it, that it just was a snowball effect of a couple of haters or do you think there are legitimate flaws with this game that warrants the negative backlash yeah that's a great question because i have really enjoyed it like john and i played until i think maybe 2 a.m one night just like burning through a couple of the acts of the campaign and to me it feels very much like a left for dead like it has that it scratches that itch for me and so i really not i'm not sure where the backlash has come from I, i'm like i feel like a lot of like the special zombies they've created are really cool i know they've mimicked some like to a t with left for dead but they've also introduced some new ones that are really fun so it's it's really interesting to me maybe the card aspect got people upset but or something like that but that really doesn't play a huge factor into to the games or the i mean it does if in the higher levels but i mean we we're just playing on recruit just to burn through the campaign and just see it one time yeah and honestly the cards didn't play the biggest of factors in that in that aspect so yeah i'm not really sure where the backlash is because i've really enjoyed it and i want other people to play it with john and i so i i don't get it Maybe we could read a couple of the Steam reviews. Maybe see. Uh... Yeah, let's take a look. I'm kind of curious. We, oh, here we go, man. Rolling into the, the darkest depths of Steam oh, reviews. Yeah. Say, so I might regret uh, actually telling you to do that. <laughs> All right, this person has 40 hours logged. They said, the game fun, but only takes one bad teammate to hold the whole game hostage. This game babies the player, so it doesn't allow you to kick player. They should be a force or vote system forcing player. In short, this game yada yada yada. In short, this game forces you to play two to four players, and one player can waste your time because the game won't let a vote or force system be. In. So you're gonna get you. What the heck? This person gave it a negative review despite playing forty hours and enjoying it, all because they can't kick somebody off their team. Yeah, that's one very specific like feature of a game man. yeah dude, like, that doesn't mean the whole game's bad just because you can't kick somebody off your team if anything just have a private game with only your friends then and don't let a rando and in did. into your it's, squad it's great that that was brought up because john and i were playing with randoms for a while and then we kind of got tired of some of the randoms because they really didn't know what they were doing so john and i were like let's just do a private game and we'll get bots and the bots do a good job of getting you up when you're down you know and shooting zombies off you if they need to like so uh, yeah i mean there's definitely other options 
people in reviews are just mind-boggling to me. And it's funny that Steam just doesn't seem to really, like... There's It is the Wild West of Steam, really. And, and it's just funny because it seems like people glom on to one thing. And then immediately they give the whole game a bad review. Uh, like, it crashed on me once. Like, this game's horrible. Like maybe you just got yeah. too many programs open on your computer at once when you're trying to launch the game. Uh, I or never got that. It like, like, like back in the day, I get it. Computers used to be way different, and there used to be a lot more compatibility issues. But nowadays, like, rarely do I have games crashing, or rarely do I have like technical issues of just running the game. So anytime I go into a Steam forum, or not Steam forum, but a, the Steam reviews. Or even the Steam forums. And I see all these people complaining about crashes. It's like, what is it? Like, computers are so optimized these days and there's so much like standardized that like compatibility is not that much of an issue anymore. So what is going on? Are you trying to like, do you have a 50 million tabs open in Chrome and then you're trying to play a game too? Like what is going on? Like I ha sometimes I suspect it's the person or maybe they got a virus or something and it has nothing to do with the game, but yet people will blame it on the game. I feel like that has to be the case because I have not run into many instances when I boot a Steam game where it just continually crashes on me. Unless it's like one of like an older game that maybe wasn't as optimized as well, but anything mm. new lately, I have not had any issues. Dude. Look at listen to some of these other reviews. All right, this guy has 128 hours into this game and he gave it a That's negative. That's a lot of time. He gave it a negative review. He said, "I was one of those people that wanted this game to succeed, but it didn't. It failed me and everyone who believed in it." Oh my god, dude, these melodramatic freaking people. And this guy gave it a negative review and he has 500 hours on record. After playing this game for a few hundred hours, arranging broken decks that make me immortal and seeing how the recent update is considered to be the last official update, this game is now officially dead. So if I were you, don't even bother getting this game anymore. It's like, dude, first of all, if you put, f if you don't like a game, why would you spend 500 hours of your life playing a game you did not like? Clearly you liked it. Clearly you enjoyed it. So why are you giving a negative review? Well, and he's complaining about the deck aspect making him invulnerable. He's like having a combination of cards. Okay, well then don't put that combination of cards together in your deck if you don't want to feel invulnerable. There are ways where you could just make your own custom deck of cards. So he's making himself invulnerable in that aspect. Yeah, dude. That's on, that's on him. Just because there's a build that makes you invincible and that makes the game not fun, just don't use that build. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, just... Oh my god. And so many people are just like, the game's dead, the game's dead, the game's dead, Turtle Rock abandon it, Turtle Rock abandon it. Dude, game studios are not gonna work on the same game for eternity. Like they're they're gonna make the game, release some updates. It still runs, you can still play it. It's not dead. It's not like the servers are shut down. They're gonna go work on another game. But like people have to be all I don't even know like how to term that, but in they're but I see that all the time. It's like, the developers have abandoned this game. They only spent five years of their life on it, working probably 60 hours a week on it. Like, how dare they abandon it? Oh, my God, dude. All right. I got to get out of these well, they, Steam reviews. I'm getting riled up. <laughs> yeah, and you can't say they abandoned it when they added literally three DLC packs to the yeah. game as well. So they, they released the base game, but they also released a complete annual pass with multiple expansions 
that include other campaign acts, which people have enjoyed looking at the some of the Xbox yeah. reviews I, I saw. That's what, man. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> All that energy is now turned to rage for Mike. Yeah, dude. I'm going to check this game out. It looks cool, and it looks like something I like to play. I really like Left 4 Dead. The monsters and the bosses look gross and slimy and awesome. It looks super bloody. I'll check it out. It plays super smooth as well. Like, the shooting feels excellent. Like, it it just, it's a super smooth experience. Like, I, I really enjoy it. I mean, yeah, scene reviews aside, it's a great game. Like, we, if you trust our opinion, we think you should play it. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Any other final words on Back for Blood? Nothing on Back for Blood. Uh, I'm I'm churning through Code Veronica right now, but that's uh, a conversation I'm going to save for another time. Uh, I I'm I'm making my way through. I'm hoping I don't make any mistakes along the way, though. Okay. All right. But uh, yeah, you've been playing a couple games though, and I'm excited to hear about both of them because uh, one of them I've played and one of them I'm very interested in. Yeah, man. So uh, speaking of Code Veronica, Resident Evil, and Survival Horror, you recommended this game to me. Highly recommended it to me. It's called Signalis, and it's an indie-developed game. I think, as you mentioned on an earlier episode, only two people made it, and it is heavily inspired by the original Resident Evil series on PlayStation 1, which is music to my ears. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, all right, I am the target demographic for this game, so I'm about to check it out. So it has a very unique art style, almost like anime-style cutscenes, which are really cool, really freaky and weird. And then when you're actually playing it, it is three-dimensional, but it's kind of like this isometric view, so it almost has like this 2D look to it, and it's intentionally very pixelated. And if you want to go all out old school, you can turn on a CRT mode or like an old school TV mode that makes it look like a tube TV. And while I was playing, I did cycle between that off and on. And yeah, there's just something about those old CRT TVs that obscure things in a way that kind of gets your imagination going because when i had that mode turned off things were still pixelated but i had a better sense of what was going on but when i had that tube tv mode on which puts on like fake scan lines and and kind of balloons the tv because those old tube tvs they were not flat they were round so things kind of rounded at the edges and that used to be freaky in games because it kind of made it hard to tell what was around the screen and made you focus more on the, the middle of the screen. Sure. So yeah, so sometimes I'd go in a dark room with that CRT mode on and it just, my imagination would be like, what is that, what is that, what is that? And I'd go look at it and I'd be like, okay, it's just a table, never mind. It's not some something crazy. Uh, anyway, yeah, this, this game is oozing with, with atmosphere. There's some scenes where you're in like a first person mode and again it's like that playstation one graphics which are just so trippy they were trippy back then and and now like it really it really like i said it really gets your imagination going and kind of takes you into an alternate universe when things don't look hyper realistic that's why i love old school games so the story is super freaky you wake up on a ship you're a replicant so it's basically almost like a future um what's the word i'm looking for not uh, i can't think of the name what's i don't know kind of like 
Soviet Russia or something or or, okay. or like a future Nazi Germany or something like it's um this is like Wolfenstein. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of the word of basically it's 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 a world where everyone is for the people, for the governments. We're all about the governments. Like you are you as an individual or nothing. Just do your duty and stay in line yeah. and for almost the country. Almost a dictatorship of sorts. Yeah, almost like a dictatorship. There's another word I'm looking for, but I cannot think think of it. Anyway, so that's that's the type of of world you live in. So you wake up as a replicant on a spaceship and basically what you find out is these spaceships are sent out with one human and one replicant. And this these race of people, they have replicants that basically do the brunt the grunt work of everything. They have no feeling. They are basically androids. They're they're made of part flesh, part machine, but they're they're treated as just worker robots, essentially. So you are the replicant on this spaceship, and your human is nowhere to be found. And um, these spaceships are sent off to just explore space, try to find alien life, try to find planets that you can colonize. And you are sent on a one-way mission. So you're reading all the, the mission briefings and stuff, and basically all the mission briefings are meant for the human, but you're reading them as the replicant. And it basically says, like, do your honor for your country, go out and explore, and hopefully you'll find something. If not, you will eventually run out of food, you will eventually run out of stuff to repair your ship, and your ship will start to fall apart. And eventually radiation will start leaking out and they'll slowly start killing you and you'll slowly start starving to death. So basically that's the dark stuff. Yeah, it's, it's dark. The whole game is super dark. Even the ending is, is bleak. Like there's no happiness in this game whatsoever. But I gravitate towards that. For some reason, like depressing games actually make me happy. It's a weird reverse psychology thing, I guess. But anyway, yeah, it's very grim. And the mission briefings are like just off yourself. Don't even, don't try to ration your food. Don't try to eat your replicant's flesh because it's poisonous. Just either have your replicant kill you or go in your sleep pod and just stay in there and sleep until you die. Anyway, so you, you're the replicant. Your human is nowhere to be found and you end up leaving the ship and you find that the world is different now all the replicants have started getting sick and basically turned into these monsters that attack you. And you're on a mission to find your human. And it's about an eight hour game, an eight, eight to 10 hours, uh, very, very much like Resident Evil. I mean, yeah. save systems, similar, the inventory management, just the puzzles, everything is oozing old school survival horror. And you basically go from area to area. So you'll be, you'll be given a new map and then you explore, solve all the puzzles, and then you eventually move on to the next map. Now I do what I always do in survival horror games and that is I conserve ammo because you're given limited resources. You're not given enough ammo in any survival horror game to actually defeat all the enemies. So you have to pick and choose your battles. So it became a fine strategy. Oh, and if you kill the enemies, you have to burn their bodies 
similar to the original remake or the remake of the original Resident Evil. Otherwise, eventually they'll come back to life. And you're given very limited flares to burn the bodies with. So it got to the point when I realized that, I was like, I, I'm not even going to waste my bullets. So I spent most of the game not killing any enemies, just dodging them. Yeah, so that's I, impressive. I had stockpiled so much ammo by the end of the game. Um, but anyway, yeah, so the only time I would kill enemies is if there was a, a central hallway that I would have to travel across a lot. That's if it's smart. just a room I only have to go in once, I'm not going to kill the enemies because I can just grab what I need real quick, get out of there. But if it's a hallway or something that's full of enemies where I'm going to be traveling back and forth, that's worth killing the enemies and burning them. So yeah, I was stockpiling health and ammo and turns out I really didn't need to do that because at the end of the game, I just had all that, <laughs> that ammo left over. I thought there was going to be like a bunch of epic boss fights, which there was. There was a handful of boss fights, but not enough to warrant how much I was hoarding ammunition. No, I, I feel like I, I killed more than I probably should, and I still had plenty at the end to get the job done. <laughs> yeah, I was worried at first, but they do give you a lot of health and ammo. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a cool game. I recommend it to, to anybody that's a fan of survival horror. And Mitch, I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. So did you actually beat the game i think so maybe i i I guess you know more than me now so maybe not (laughs) all right so i did consult the strategy guide on a couple puzzles i got stuck on okay and what i found out is when you beat the game that's not the actual ending and they don't tell you this anywhere in the game so had i not looked at the strategy guide i never would have known that I beat the game, yes. I, okay. I do remember it now, yes. Okay, so you started a new game over? Yes. <laughs> so the weird thing about this game is, is once you beat the game, you're given a very unsatisfying ending. And you're like, what the heck, that's it? Well, what you're actually supposed to do is go back to the main menu and start a new game. And when you start a new game, you'll start in the spaceship again. But it's different. And you'll actually end, realize that it's just showing you a little more of the story that you weren't given at the beginning of the game. And then after you leave the spaceship, it picks up where the game, quote unquote, ended when you act when you supposedly beat the game. So when you start a new game, you're not starting a new game. You're basically playing an entire new chapter that's the real ending chapter. And then after that, you're actually given the full ending. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. And then then it triggered my mind. I was like, yes, because I remember being super confused about it. And then I'm, I feel like there was some, like, either I looked at the guide like you did and it said, hey, start a new game. Or maybe some part of me was like, I think I'm, they're, like, highlighting that you should start a new game. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to click it and see what happens. But, yeah, I did get the real ending. And yeah, I'm glad I did because, you know, that would have been a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is pretty cool. As I mentioned on an earlier episode, even before I played this, I picked up a physical copy because they were selling them for $30 on Amazon. And I was like, I have a feeling this is going to be one of those games I want to keep in my collection forever. And also, I believe that this is going to be one of those games that's probably has a low print run. As far as I know, you can only get it at Amazon. 
and this might be something that uh, will be a rare find years down the road. Yeah, we've highlighted this game on multiple podcasts now, so like, you know that we are 100% into this, and this is probably one that we, we really recommend over a lot that we've talked about right now. Yeah. Uh, and it's short, too. It's a very short experience. It's creepy. It's it's fun. It's, you know, if you like Resident Evil, you're going to like this. Yeah. And it does not hold your hand. As we both mentioned, we had to reference a strategy guide to get through some parts. And it just goes back to that, that what we've been talking about, that older games just were way more difficult by nature. I was thinking right? about that. So when I was playing Code Veronica, I was like, man, like when this game first came out, like people had no sort of like reference of where to go or what to do because there's no like easy hit google and find exactly i'm just reading through an ign thing just verbatim and like they didn't have that and you know when the game first came out yeah you had to buy the strategy guide it was almost like a part of their their business model like here's the game that you'll never be able to beat on your own here's the 20 30 dollar strategy guide and I remember going to the video game stores and buying a game, and they would ask, do you want the strategy guide? We got it. That was a big thing. But now, fortunately, there's the internet, and yeah, all the answers are online and free strategy guides online. Yeah, my buddy still references his Ocarina of Time strategy guide whenever he goes back and plays Zelda. <laughs> that is awesome. He still has it, the actual booklet? Yes. That is yeah. awesome. I did have a strategy guide for Ocarina of Time as well. That one... That, there's no way I would have beaten that. Those go for a pretty penny one. nowadays, too. Huh? Those are actually they go for a pretty penny nowadays. And they're they're I valuable. Bet. I bet. I mean, I go to to half price books because they have tons of used video games, but they also have a huge shelf of strategy guides. And some of them they're just trying to get rid of because nobody really wants them. Like, who wants a Battlefield Three strategy guide? But there's other stuff more sought after games like the final fantasies or the zeldas and stuff that yeah people want those strategy guides and then they'll have like strategy guides for like for uh elder scroll skyrim or something and it's like this freaking thick yeah, like a novel like first of all who wrote this how many people wrote this and was it just some some strategy guides were official strategy guides and some were unofficial so I always wondered with strategy guides, how much input from the actual developer did they have in making that? Because they're typically completely thorough and they've got all the secrets and everything you could imagine in there. I'm like, they had to have somebody who had worked to. on the game letting them know about all this stuff. But some of those unofficial ones probably were actually people just sitting there and meticulously playing the game as, as much as they could to figure things out and then they have to take all the screenshots and then they have to write in in a way that makes sense and flows like even with signalists i was doing some stuff out of order and then the person in the strategy guide was kind enough to be like to save time go to this room first then go to this room then go to this room and that way you're not going backwards and be like oh now i got to go back to this room now i got to go back to this to this room so yeah, so that's it, crucial, and because you're not having to run into zombies on multiple occasions, you know, yeah. or replicants. Uh, yeah, it basically, just saves you from having to double back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but somebody had to think about that and then put it together in the in the most optimal yeah. order. So yeah, strategy guys are to totally what, fascinating to me. I would love to know what all goes into them because I'm sure it is a lot. Yeah. 
Going back to half price books, though, uh, I think my uh, I know my phone is listening to me because uh, I, I go in my TikTok uh, the other day. I know you've talked about half price books before. And I have all these TikToks about people talking about fines they had from half price books. I'm like, what the heck? Is oh, my this? God. Yeah. I, if anybody's listening on you, it's TikTok. That's that's actually a great point. There's a lot. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah. So that's funny. That's a whole other conversation, though. Um. Anyway. Any, let's see if I have any final words on signals. I don't think so, but it, it's a great game. Great we may bring recommendation. It, up again. it may be this podcast game. We've already brought it up on think three now. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So the other thing I've been playing is I just started it metal Hellsinger, And this is a first person shooter similar to doom it's like fast-paced first-person shooter demon killing action with heavy metal music but the difference here is that it's a rhythm game so you have to shoot all the enemies on beat and the longer you can maintain shooting enemies on the beat the more your score multiplier goes up the more perks and rewards you get so i i see this is is it an it's not necessarily a new trend, but it's branching out into other genres. Because you think about it, 15, 20 years ago, when, which is hard to think about, hard to believe this, but 15, 20 years ago when Guitar Hero came out and became this huge craze, everybody was about the rhythm games. And even before that, there was dance dance revolution and those style games in the arcades where you had a bunch of square pads and then the music would play and you'd, you'd have to step step on the pads in a certain pattern and man i remember kids in the mall being so into that like there was a niche crowd that loved to go to the malls and just show off their dance dance revolution skills wearing their giant baggy kick pants and and trying to be extra fancy small crowd around them and and then yeah i think somebody probably saw that and was like this can go mainstream and then guitar center ha or not guitar center guitar hero happened and then rock band happened and next thing you know the whole world was introduced to how fun it is to play along to a song in a rhythm right whether you're actually playing the instrument or not or just playing whatever pattern they're showing you on the screen but it even goes back farther than that there are so many rhythm games which we'll get into shortly but just want to touch on metal hellsinger just kind of give you my initial impressions it's awesome well i can imagine the people who made this game were playing doom which has amazing music in its own right and probably accidentally found themselves shooting to the beat just rocking to that that what is it mick gordon is he the guy who made the doom music rocking to his soundtrack next to you know they're shooting all the demons to the beat and then they're like this could just be part of the gameplay what if we made it to where you're supposed to shoot to the beat so it's it's cool the music's great the art's great it's not quite a triple-A title as Doom, but I'm definitely going to play through this one and let you guys know my final thoughts when I beat it. So, Mitch, you, you recently... On... Go ahead. Uh, what were you going to say? Sorry. Were you playing on Steam or Xbox Game Pass? Xbox Game Pass. So, yeah. yes, it is a game that you can play if you got Game Pass. 
So the first thing I thought of was you were telling me a few episodes back that you had played uh, Hi Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush, yes. So that was incorporating rhythm into a third-person hack-and-slash game. This is incorporating rhythm into a first-person shooter, uh, which is not the only first-person shooter doing this. So doing a little digging, there's another game called BPM, which in the music world typically stands for beats per minute. It's how you measure rhythm or the time signature. But this stands for bullets per minute and is another rhythm-based first-person shooter, which looks pretty cool and pretty stylized. So I think after I get through Metal Hellsinger, this will be next up for me to check out. And then apparently there's even another one called Gun Jam that's not out yet, but is also another rhythm-based first-person shooter. So this is this is becoming a trend I'm seeing. It's becoming an entire subgenre or its own genre in that right. Of rhythm-based shooters or beat-em-ups. <laughs> Yeah. Now, Gun Jam, I don't know. This may be good. It's got that kind of cell-shaded art style, which I'm not the hugest fan of. But I will still get my hands on it and give it a try when it releases. There's still no release date, so who knows when it's coming out. Oh, no. It just said out on April 19th, 2023. That's weird. The trailer says it comes out on April 19th, but the Steam page still says the release date is to be announced. Yeah, I bet it's a TBA then because they are. Uh, it got delayed. You know how games. Oh go. yeah, I, probably they probably released a trailer and they were like, wait, 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 stop the presses. We need more time. Yep. All right. So speaking of rhythm games, you played Hi-Fi Rush. Were you really into? Oh, man, I almost said Guitar Center again. <laughs> were you really into Guitar Hero or Rock Band when that was just everywhere? heavily into rock band and guitar hero i remember begging my dad to go and buy me the the guitar hero kit which obviously comes with the game plus the guitar and i played a ton of that i got pretty decent you know i was never like the people that could do through the fire and the flames on expert and just like jamming buttons like crazy like i don't even know how they could even figure that out or a hundred percent it no less but um yeah i was pretty deep into it i think i owned every one of the mainstream guitar heroes like the one two and three i think is all they did as far as like titled ones but rock band was probably my favorite though because i was a drummer obviously as you know growing up i played drums and i took a lot of drum lessons so when rock band came out that was like the first one that had the whole thing like you could sing you could play guitar you could do the bass and then you could play drums and my friends would all come over and they had like this like rock band world tour they called it and like it was like a ton of like con like uh, of like songs that you had to play, and you had to go through all of them to beat the world tour or whatever. And you had to do them all over and over again. But we never beat it. But we'd up be up late at night, and I would not let anybody else play drums because that was my thing. <laughs> so those games spanned a couple of console generations. What were you playing it on? I was playing on the 360. I think I, I solely played it on the 360 growing up. So I think that was like the first generation they came out on, I want to say, is the 360 PS3 uh, time period. 
But after that, I think I just kind of gravitated away from it. I went to college. And I'm like, I don't want to lug a guitar and a drum set to college, you know? So, yeah, it kind of ended at that point. But I, I'd go back and play those games now. They were fun at the time. Yeah. All right. I got a lot of lot to talk about on this topic. Um, before I, I dive in further. Okay. So, yeah. So, like you, it started to wane for everybody. Eventually, yeah. the fad died out. And I think I played it, I had played Rock Band and Guitar Hero a couple times back when it was really popping off, but it wasn't until after that had kind of fizzled that I was living with my roommate, Brennan, and I saw he had the, the guitars. And I was like, we, had, we, we were drinking that night. I'm like, let's play this stuff. So we busted it out, hooked up the guitars, and I think he had either the Rock Band or the Guitar Hero Metallica edition. Oh, yeah. And we freaking, for like a month, we were just jamming that. And that was a lot of fun. So even going back to it now, it's fun. Now, they tried to revive it, both those series. I think they made a a reboot of Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Did you play any of those reboots that came out just a few years ago? Nope, never touched either of them, honestly. I, I think it was, I'm just intimidated by, like, the buying the the actual, like, whole set with, like, getting... Because if I'm going to go back to Rock Band, I don't have the drum set anymore. You know, my dad, he loves to give away everything that I have ever owned, so that was given away to some garage sale or something. So it's like I would have to buy everything over again. So, so that's kind of what's deterred me. To touch on that, so now you have all these people that are no longer into this stuff. So all these plastic guitars and drum sets and peripherals started flooding used video game stores and thrift stores and Goodwills and all that. And I remember going to video game stores that were like, we won't even take that stuff anymore. I was like, we, do, we just have too many guitars. We got a yeah. bin over there. They're all marked down for a dollar. There's a hundred guitars sticking out of this metal basket. Like we, We're not taking any more trade-ins on the, the guitars. And then I'd go to Goodwill, and the shelves would just be full of these guitars. But then, as it always happens, nostalgia starts hitting. So you go five, six, seven, eight years, and all of a sudden people are like, remember how much fun we used to have in high school or in college playing Guitar Hero and Rock Band? We should go go dig out our old 360 and, and then go down to Goodwill and see if there's some, some guitars there to get. So next thing you know, it went from Goodwill and the video game stores couldn't even give these things away to now they're flying off the shelves. And last year, when I went to... Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, there's that store, The Grid, which is a Goodwill store, but basically they send all their electronics to one store, so it's like only electronics at this this Goodwill place. They have tons of video games and just like computers and stuff. I go there, people are, I'm only there for like an hour, and people are coming in every so many minutes. You guys got any Guitar Hero guitars? You guys got any Guitar Hero guitars? No, no, we're all sold out. Can't keep them in stock. Can't keep them in stock. And then the like the one they did or the one or two they did have in stock, they were selling for like 150 bucks a piece. Oh, I'm like, dude, a regular guitar. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, for for real, I can get a real guitar for that price. And then, like I said, just a couple years ago, like I could get I get a dozen of these guitars for a nickel at Goodwill. 
So it's since started to die down finally. Like I think everyone's kind of that the nostalgia wave is starting to to break. So they're starting to come back down in price. Yeah, I'm taking a look at eBay right now, actually, and there you can get one for anywhere from twenty dollars to forty dollars, which okay. I think is a little more reasonable. Yes, absolutely. Because I'm telling you, last year they were like a hundred, hundred, hundred fifty dollars. Um, but yeah, now everyone, now the people who were feeling nostalgic got it, probably played it once and then turned around and. Uh, sold it back or put it in their closet or threw it in the trash or whatever they did with it. Yeah, so, I always like was jealous of the people that had the the Guitar Hero 3 one cuz that had the Les Paul, the wireless Les Paul guitar. So yeah. like every one that I had, I had always the jank ones that you had to plug in and you know you could only go a certain amount back from the TV and man, those wireless ones were smooth. Yeah. <laughs> I th- I want to say my roommate had the wireless ones. Um but anyway, yeah that that whole thing's funny then they came out with the dj hero i had that actually was that any good it was cool i i enjoyed it it was i think it wasn't as as interactive as you know the guitar hero or the uh or playing drums on rock band but it was cool it was like a little like you, you could scratch a little bit and then you could like you know you just hit buttons really like you just hit them to the beat or you know the you know whatever it was and then you had little like sections where you could freestyle and do whatever you want so you could just like kind of scratch and hit the buttons a lot and everything and so it was it was fun for what it was had some good music on it Hmm. yeah i i mean that's one area i've steered clear on on collecting because i mean for one i really don't have any nostalgia with it other than playing with my roommate that was a lot of fun um but who knows I mean, if I come across a good, like, bulk lot of those games. And it's crazy how many editions they release. There's, like, the Metallica edition, the Beatles edition, the Green Day edition, and I'm probably, like, an Aerosmith one. All Every band had their own edition, and then on top of these physical releases that had a bunch of songs, I know they just had, like, an endless online catalog of, of DLC. Yeah. So I'm gr- I'm sure that was great for the music industry because now there's this new avenue that musicians can sell their music on, and yeah, it it's it's uh it's crazy how much they much stuff they got out there. And there were so many knockoffs, and there was there was games that actually taught you how to play guitar instead of just being like a game. Like there was the yeah. there's uh, Ubisoft's Rocksmith. That's what I was gonna say. That uses similar mechanics, but it, to kind of gamify it. But it's really meant to actually teach you how to play guitar. And there's another one. Uh, I want to think it's say it's called like Band Fuse or something. And I used that one for a while, and it was actually teaching me how to play guitar. So there, a lot of a lot of good came out of that. I'm sure there's a lot of people that uh, there's found actually, the love of music uh, through them. Yeah. There's actually a Harmonix, which is the people of Rock Band. They developed one in 2020 that was called Fuser, which was like almost like DJ Hero. You were a you were a DJ essentially. <laughs> and, Fuser. Uh, I don't. I don't. Yeah, Fuser is what it's called. Right. I remember. I remember it now after you said something about f- fusing because uh, my one of my buddies got it and he paid like full price for it and we made fun of him because they're like, dude, that game's not gonna. <laughs> it's not. It'll be twenty bucks and. And a month. Yeah, there's this 
Kotaku article saying the death of DJ Game Fuser is a huge bummer. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was going... It didn't really get marketed very well, and I didn't even hear about it until my friend bought it. And I want to see. I want to see it. Does it have, like, a peripheral to it? Yeah, I, that's what I'm wondering, too. I don't think so. I think it's... I, I want to say it doesn't, but... it. Oh, it does. Oh. Maybe. I don't know. This is they're showing me some weird looking thing with like a iPhone sticking in it, but it looks like a a uh, proof of concept, like a three D render. How do you play it then? Yeah, you step behind the DJ booth to mix the craziest festival you've ever heard. <laughs> Let's see if there's a controller panel. Yeah, they pulled it from stores and everything, too, so... They pulled it from stores? Yeah, I'm reading a, uh... Was it, like, an online-only game to where once the server shut down, it was useless or something? It looks like it, because it says... Online service was shut down December 19th, making the lifespan a little more than two years. Okay, I am very curious about this, because I did not hear about this at all. Players who already own Fuser will still be able to play the campaign in quick play with the DLC they have already acquired. But they cannot buy any after if they don't have it. Well, them. that makes sense. I mean, you can't get the DLC anymore, but... What did it release on? Everything. It released on um, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, Windows, and PlayStation 4. Okay. Alright, I'm having trouble finding it. <laughs> Showing me eBay, showing you me everything, but was it a digital only game? Are you looking for like a video, or like you're looking for to see if it's just a, the game itself, like on uh, on eBay? Oh, on eBay, I can I say I can show you the Epic Store page, but that's not. Uh, is it still up to buy? Uh, it just is unavailable, but you can still like view the what it is. Yeah, it's unavailable on PS4. We want to thank you for this is from PlayStation's website or the PlayStation yep. Store, the dis, the game description. We want to thank you for mixing with us. On December nineteenth, we'll be disabling Fuser's live services and all sales of the game as well as its DLC. Players who already own Fuser will still be able to play the campaign and quick play with any DLC they have already acquired. Thank you again for your support and for all the amazing mixes over the years. So yeah, it must have been like some live service game that is pretty much rendered useless once the server shut down. There's no physical release of the game. Wow, physical yeah. release for Fuser canceled. So it was a Oh, so this game is dead. I mean, we often talk about games that die and you can no longer get them anymore. Fuser is absolutely one of those games. Yeah, the Steam reviews, people could actually say it's dead instead of it. Yeah, yeah, this is when you could say it's dead. Uh, for real. But anyway, <laughs> that, wow, that's interesting. Um, harmonics, you see, they, they did Guitar Center, right? Or not, oh my god, I said Guitar Center. They did Guitar... A great store. My dad loves that store. <laughs> they did Guitar Hero, right? Uh, they did Rock Band. Rock Band, Rock Band. All right, so... What a lot of people don't know is before Guitar Hero and before Rock Band, Harmonix was already making rhythm games. They had they had this game 
called that these games that basically were like rock band 1.0 and 2.0 they had um on playstation 2 they released frequency which was basically like some weird like abstract roller coaster game where you you would shift from track to track on the beat and it would change the music and you it was the exact same way that it's not exact but it 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 was basically like yeah a rhythm game without a peripheral you just had to play it with your controller and then they released a sequel to that in 2003 called amplitude and then shortly after that two years later somebody had that aha moment and they're like well what if we had guitar hero how do you do the same thing that we were doing with those earlier games but with the guitar so and they i tried released... go ahead what were go you gonna ahead. say uh they also released kind of to go a little bit away from it they released dance central which was actually one of my favorite games to play on the connect when uh, the xbox connects was a thing which is a motion capturing peripheral that the xbox had and uh i bring that over to uh my friends on uh when we'd have like i don't know in high school we'd have friday night get togethers with a bunch of us and uh we'd, we'd be doing the dance central stuff and that was a lot of fun actually that was probably one of the better like dance games like i thought like they actually like captured your entire movement compared to a just dance like on the on the Wii, which really the you just really hold the Wii remote and you can do anything and it doesn't matter. They say, "Oh, great job, <laughs> great job! You're waggling that Wii remote." <laughs> it, I mean, looking at their game library, yeah, it's it's all music games. You got Frequency, Amplitude, then they did Karaoke Revolution, then Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero Two, uh, Phase for iPod. Is a music themed iPod game. Look in the description. Uh, rock Band, Unplugged, The Beatles Rock Band, Lego Rock Band, Rock Band Mobile, Green Day Rock Band, Rock Band 3, and then, yeah, the Dance Central games. More Rock Band, more Dance Central. Uh, oh, I forgot about this. That Amplitude game, that was like one of their very first ones, or was it their very first? That was their second one. I forgot they rebooted that or remade it on PlayStation 4. And I think that it was given away as a, a free game on PlayStation Plus. I have a copy of it. I've been meaning to check it out. So yeah, they, they revisited that. Now the problem Fantasia game. What'd you say? They did the Disney's Fantasia. Music really? Evolved. Music Evolved. Mm -hmm. Man, yeah, they were they cornered the market on the music games. And then the last thing they made, the last couple games they have are Dance Central 2019, and their last game listed is Fuser in 2020. Ooh, I hope, I hope that, I hope they're I still, still around. Own a connect. I would play that Dance Central today if I could, honestly. Yeah, yeah. When I when I went back and started buying Connect games, because uh, at one point I went back and got a PlayStation Move and then a PlayStation Connect for dirt cheap. I got the Move at a pawn shop with everything for like 30 bucks and then I got to connect at Goodwill for like 12 bucks. And Connect games are so cheap. So I was like, let me check out the Connect. We we need to do a whole episode on the Connect cuz that is a beast yeah. in of itself, but I told myself I need one Dan Central game at minimum. So, I definitely picked one up and I've played it and it it's a workout. 
It is a workout, absolutely. You'll sweat. Uh, got one more thing to say about these rhythm games. So I've tried to go back and play Harmonic's original games, Frequency and Amplitude, because I had never played them before. But these games were released before flat screen TVs. Oh. And flat screen TVs introduce latency much more than old CRT and tube TVs do. So any game that relies on perfect timing that was designed for a CRTV tube TV is not going to work on a modern TV. So if you try to play frequency or amplitude today, you're not going to be able to because what you're seeing on the screen and what you're hearing in the music is not lining up with, with the buttons you're pressing because of the latency. So you'll always do a horrible job at it. And to remedy this situation on later consoles that were released after flat TVs became a thing, so like your, your rock band, your guitar heroes that came out on Xbox 360, or even more recently the Metal Hellsinger that I've been playing, you have to calibrate the game before playing to compensate for that latency. So there's typically a screen that will play music that you'll have to tap a button to the rhythm and that way it calculates, all right, how much, how much is this person reporting like, from based on our calculation? So we're sending out the signal for the sound at this moment. This person's saying it's actually happening on their TV at mm -hmm. this moment. So if it's like 140 milliseconds, then it's going to just calculate that in and then offset its calculations based on the latency of your TV. Like with Metal Hellsinger, there's a audio latency adjustment and a visual latency adjustment. And once you get that right, it's way easier to stay on beat. But old games that came out during the tube TV days, there was no need for that because it was almost instantaneous. So that's why playing frequency or amplitude today is almost impossible unless you have a tube TV. And same thing with the very first rhythm game I ever played, Parappa the Rapper, on PlayStation 1, I recently came back and beat that game. I It was the very first game I got with my PlayStation, and I played it years ago. Absolutely loved it. It's a great game. Went back and tried to play it in 2015 on a flat-screen TV, not knowing what I just said at the time. And I was like, man, I just... I cannot stay on beat. Like, it's just... I'm failing over and over and over again. So eventually I just started intentionally playing off beat and that was the only way I could actually get it. And I, I went through the whole game and beat it that way, but it was not a pleasant experience. And I thought more impressive than beating it. <laughs> beating it yeah. So, and I was like, what the hell, man? Um, I don't remember this game being this bad when I was a kid. Like this is totally off. This doesn't feel right. And then later on, I found out, oh, it was because back then I was playing it on a tube TV, which it was designed for. So, yeah, right. it, it, that issue wasn't there. Prap of the Rapper, great game. Uh, Prap of the Rapper 2, not so much. I didn't like the music in the second one. I beat that right after in 2015. After I beat Prap of the Rapper 1, I beat the second one. But it was nowhere near as good as the first one. Whew, anyway, I feel like I've been going on and on about these rhythm games um that was good it was good talk yeah any 
anything else any other good stories about your rock band days or no i just i, I just remember all of us in the basement you know just just grinding the the week till the wee hours and the trying to get somebody to sing too because we needed a singer and nobody wanted to sing and <laughs> but it but it helped our score if we had the full band playing so yeah it, it was a lot of fun you know it back in the day it was it was keeping us out of trouble as we talked about last week we'd be down in the basement just playing some good old rock band my dad loved hearing that <laughs> yeah learning rhythm learning music i mean it does teach you coordination and rhythm so yeah yeah did you ever get your dad to play it since he is a guitar player no, I don't think it, he he was always very curious and he would watch me, but he didn't ever want to actually play it. You know, he's like, well, you're just pressing buttons. You're not actually strumming a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> he's right there. He's right there. Yeah, yeah, he he really liked the I had the Beatles rock band and he really liked listening to that because they had all the, you know, all the good classics. Oh, yeah. Dad's a huge Beatles fan, so I can imagine that. But it, yeah. it did really bring guitar playing to the masses because the guitar is a very difficult instrument to learn. It takes years and years of practice. Yeah. So to to lower that entry point and just create a game where anybody can sit there and enjoy playing guitar without having to spend years and years to learn it and gamify it, that was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, revolutionary. I think we're good to wrap it up there, though. What do you think? Yeah, I th I think so. We are right at the one hour mark. So I got an appointment in fifteen minutes. I'm gonna be sprinting to it. Oh snaps! I forgot about that. Okay, all right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. You can find all our episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're also on all the social medias. What are those, Mitch, yep. if you want to rattle those off real fast? Absolutely, yeah. Our uh, our Twitter is at the Hills are silent. Instagram is Instagram backslash Hills are silent. Our YouTube, as Mike says, is the at the Hills are silent. Our TikTok is at the Hills are silent podcast. Send us an email, hillsarsilent at gmail.com. We'll catch you the next episode.